1: Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep
0: down the field. oh What a catch by Darrell Walker, who skipped his way to the end zone. Rebound comes off the boards, two-on-two Oilers. McDavid
1: has a step to the net, back-hitter to the side, scores! Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight, and we the game in overtime. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30 Chad. NHL Entry Draft just well under 48 hours away down there in Buffalo. We will go to Buffalo in a moment as it's Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. Oh, we'll hear from Reed. Oh, yes, we will. Yes, we will. He's at the ready. And uh, we'll tee things up, uh, what could possibly happen in the next three days. And of course, what will happen Friday. Orders pick fourth overall. And then uh, several selections on Saturday. And we'll have live coverage for you on Friday. 4 o'clock until 9 with Reed Wilkins, also Bob Stoffer down in Buffalo, along with Jack Michaels as well. So we'll keep you up to date. NHL awards going on right now. No, Connor McDavid did not win the Calder Trophy. No, he didn't. The award went to, and not surprisingly, to Artemi Panarin. Had a great year for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, he uh, beat out... Florida, uh, Philadelphia Flyers defenseman Shane Bear and McDavid. Panarin, 77 points in 80 games in his debut season, led all rookies in goals with 30 and assists with 47. Uh, McDavid, number one pick last summer, scored 48 points in 45 games, finished third in the league in uh, average points per game. But uh, unfortunately, season shortened thanks to that broken collarbone. Other award winners tonight, uh, Ted Lindsay Award going to Patrick Kane. And that is the uh, NHL's Outstanding Player Award. See, they have an outstanding player and a most valuable player. But uh, Kane was voted in this particular case, and he's up for the Hart Trophy as well. But uh, this is for the most outstanding player, voted on by his peers in the Players. Uh, He beat out Jamie Benn of the Dallas Stars and Braden Holtby of the Washington Capitals. First U.S.-born player to lead the NHL in scoring. Had 106 points, beat Ben by 17 points. Yarmir Yager won the Masterson Trophy for perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. Also, Drew Doughty won the Norris Trophy. L.A. Kings defenseman. So that's what's happening so far. Hey! Las Vegas is getting an NHL team. Worst kept secret ever. But Gary Bettman said this at, these, at the uh, announcement today in Vegas. Uh, the Board of Governors approved the plan of expansion that will bring a National Hockey League franchise to Las Vegas
0: beginning with the 2017-18 season. In the fall of 2017, when we celebrate the 100th birthday
1: of the National Hockey League, we will do so as a league of 31 teams. Quebec City, I uh, not in the cards yet. <laughs> Get it, Cards, Vegas, betting. Yeah, okay, move on. Uh, Canadian dollar probably factors into it. That's what Gary Bettman said. Um, so we'll see. If the Canadian dollar improves, then maybe Quebec City gets involved. So we'll talk about that. Also, later on in the program, we'll talk about the Eskimos. Eskimos update from today, day two. They take on the Ottawa Red Blacks in their home opener, regular season opener on Saturday on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, 5 o'clock is the kickoff with Morley Scott, yours truly, Blake Dermott, Brendan Hallrick around. Also, uh, 3.30 will be the uh, pregame show, uh, and 5 o'clock is the kickoff. We'll talk some uh, Canadian national team women's soccer. Rianne Wilkinson, defender, is in town. Also, Terry Jones around next hour. Talk about epic legacies of the Edmonton Eskimos. A great new book. But uh, right now, we will uh, bring in Reed Wilkins from uh, a place that is very far away from Las Vegas and nothing like Las Vegas, from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Reed is joining us now. Reed, how's it going, man?
0: Good, Dave. Thanks for having me, buddy. Boy, I, I got to say, I've been I've been reading all the uh, outrage about Connor McDavid not winning the Calder Trophy, and I want to talk about that. But I, I want people to, if, if they have a second here, about three or four minutes ago. I, I tweeted something quoting a tweet from the NHL on NBC Sports, because they have the trailer for the video game NHL 17. Okay. Yes. And the first player, virtual player, or the first player you see represented in game form, is Sidney Crosby, and they have some text and fade the blacks and all that stuff, and then they have Connor McDavid. Now, if you're an Oilers fan that you think Connor McDavid was was disrespected maybe not so much by not winning the award, but what was it, nine people or so that didn't even put him in the top five? Mm-hmm. I want you to watch this trailer. And when McDavid comes up, it looks to me like they have depicted him as a right-handed shooting player. Now, it's, it's a quick shot, and you don't really see his stick, but from the angle of his shoulders and the fact that you see his left hand... Higher than his right hand, and no stick blade coming out of his left hand. It looks like they've depicted McDavid as a right hand shot. Ah. So, so <laughs> that's that's pretty much the most well, one of the most inaccurate things. I mean, that, that, to me, that's worse than getting his number wrong. Though that's that's pretty bad. But um, I, I don't know. I'm curious what to see what people think because I, I think they I, I think they they have him as a right handed shooting player. Uh, but anyway, okay. But, but, who what, what who who am I to criticize
1: the details of um, are you watching it right now cuz I am David I am uh I have to watch it during a break cuz I don't okay I can probably shut this off and uh Oh
0: yeah cuz you'll get the sound coming yeah, through. That's, anyway
1: that's the thing right? So okay. Uh yeah that's interesting. Uh by yeah, the, by but the what? way uh EA Sports came out with their cover guy for uh NHL 17, and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. So I want to, I want to give this warning out to to game players. Oh, by the way, this content is not available in your country. I can't even play it. So. <laughs> oh really? Okay. I can't even play it. You're in the right spot, man. You can play it because yeah, you're you in the good old US. Yeah, you're, you're in a good old U.S. of A. But a word of warning for those that are buying NHL 17 with Vladimir Tarasenko uh, on the cover. If uh, your team is deep in the playoffs, Vladimir Tarasenko disappears from the cover. Oh, that's awful, Dave. Well, it's kind of true. It's kind of a good parallel. <laughs> okay, that was... That, that, was a, that was a nice little dig right there. Kind of accurate, too, what happened in the last playoff. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, people can text in 630, 630 um and talk about Connor McDavid or whatever you want to do. Uh, this text says, McDavid didn't win the Calder because he played half a season, but Steve Kerr wins Coach of the Year for coaching half a season. I Okay.
0: Well, Steve, yeah, I know, that was a weird one, too. Yeah. Steve Kerr w- was still the coach of record for all those games. But I, but I understand what that texture is saying because it's kind of like, hey, Luke Walton was actually coaching the team when they started 24-0 or, or whatever it was. Look, this is not a surprise to me, and quite frankly, and I know some of fans get mad at me when I say this because I've said it before, but quite frankly, if I had a vote, and I do not, I was not one of the couple hundred people who voted, I would have voted for Panarin to win the Calder Trophy, and I would have put McDavid second and Gostas-Bear third. Games played does matter. It, 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 it's part of being in the NHL is the grind, not getting injured. Now, he didn't get injured through any of his own fault, but it limited him to, to just 45 games. Now, Gostas-Bear is an interesting one because he played, what, 64? He wasn't up for the whole season anywhere. right? And, and uh, he got second place. So I think for McDavid to win, he with his points per game, he probably needed to play around 60, maybe even 55. I mean, if he would have 65 points in 55 games, maybe that's, um, maybe that's enough to win it. But, but look, Panarin, and here's the thing. Don't forget, Panarin's a really good player. I mean, he's an excellent hockey player. He, he wasn't just a product of Patrick Kane. And yes, I know he's 24, and he's, he's played in the KHL. Unfortunately, the voters weren't told, well, vote for the best guy, but disobey the rules. They have rules that they were going to vote for. I mean, I guess individual voters could, could choose to, to not follow them and still vote for McDavid. The, the, the curious thing to me is that, what, Jack Eichel got a couple first-place votes, and I think Larkin got a first-place vote. And, and and like I said, McDavid wasn't named on, I think it was nine ballots, which as they vote for the top five. I mean, I don't know how you say... Um, that a guy who got over a point a game in this era as a rookie, unless he played something like 25 games, doesn't at least uh, merit a, a position in the top five. But it's not a surprise. I mean, Dave, you remember I did a very informal poll back in late March. It was with 13 media people, two bloggers, one from each co- conference, and two current players, one from each conference. And both players voted for Panarin. So it shows you that the guys who are on the ice value the number of games that you have to play and being healthy for most of them. Look, McDavid's the best rookie. He's the most talented rookie that was in the last, uh, in the last season. But that doesn't mean you're the top rookie for the season you played in. I mean, I mean, um, Carrie price is probably still the best goalie in the NHL, right? Yeah. But he's not going to win the Vesna this season no. because he didn't play enough games. So it just, it just so happened McDavid was hurt this year. He's probably going to have a better, well, he will have a better and more productive career than Panarin. But Panera, and it all felt together for him this year. He's a deserving winner, and let's just enjoy McDavid from here on in.
1: Yeah, it's hard to argue that, that point. And, uh, you know, I, I know in that poll I picked McDavid at the time. I think thinking back now, I would probably, you know, if I had a chance to re-vote, I would probably vote Panarin. Um, And, you know, when you see guys up close, I think it maybe can cloud your judgment a little bit, and that's probably where I uh, fell, you know, I fall into that category. But, yeah, the reasoning makes sense. I was surprised, and you mentioned it, that McDavid finished in second or didn't finish in in second place in voting, that it was Goss' But I guess that's neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter. Uh, But, uh, yeah, McDavid, we're going to see a lot more Excellent moments from this young man down the road. You're right. Uh, Drew Doughty wins the Norris Trophy as NHL's top defenseman. Uh, Was named on 147, 150 ballots and received 93 first-place votes, edging out uh, Eric Carlson of the Ottawa Senators, Brent Burns of the San Jose Sharks. 14 goals, 37 assists, playing in all 82 games. Captured his first Norris Trophy uh, in in his third time as a finalist defensive forward that's the Selkie trophy that goes to Andrzej Kopitar of the Los Angeles Kings Reed Wilkins is down in Buffalo New York site of the 2016 NHL Entry Draft, which begins Friday, four to nine, is our coverage here on 6:30. Chad Reed with us tonight. He'll be with us tomorrow. And this re- uh, draft report brought to you by Nate's Computer Training Center. Heat up your computer skills this summer. Enroll now for July courses at Nate.ca/CTC. We'll uh, take this time out. Back with more inside sports. Guest host Dave Campbell. Reed Wilkins down in Buffalo, New York. We'll uh, continue the conversation here on 6:30. Chad. <laughs> This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 620, welcome back to the program. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins this evening. Reed joining us from Buffalo. This text coming in, uh, you can text in at 630-630. Hey guys, just want to give props to Reed. He called it totally perfect about the Calder Trophy. Wish McDavid would have won though. That's from Dave Leopard. So there you go. Some props for you, Reed. Well, for once, no, Dave Leopard's
0: a loyal listener and texter, so I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, McDavid's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to individual accomplishments, I don't blame Edmonton fans for wanting him to win. Why wouldn't you? Um, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 the evidence was leaning towards Panarin getting it, and that's okay. That's well, okay.
1: Could be some hearts or art Rosses in the future of Connor McDavid. Don't want to put all that expectation on him, but he's kind of in that ballpark as far as yeah, for potential sure. goes. So, anyway, uh, as far as uh, the biggest news of the day is concerned around the National Hockey League and probably in the sporting world, The NHL is going to Las Vegas, Reed. This is the worst-kept secret for a long, long time. Uh, It was rumored that it would be Vegas and Quebec City, but it won't be Quebec City. It'll just be Las Vegas. And uh, there's some potential risk to this, uh, like there is with any expansion, but... uh, you know, and we talked about it last week on the show, you had uh, Brian Blessing down in Las, Las Vegas, who's uh, been on this story for an awful long time, uh, but this is an interesting dynamic and, uh, you know, something that I think the NHL is very excited about uh, about trying here and seeing how it works.
0: Well, as if we needed a reminder, it's it's about having a facility that you can play your sport in, and it's about having the money and it's a half a billion dollar expansion fee this is not about competitive balance this is not about necessarily putting teams in hockey hotbed markets Um, this is not about balancing the schedule it's not about making the playoff format fair it's about a rink and it's about money and it's about generating revenue so i mean 31 teams it's it's an awkward number it's. I mean, the, the the divisions will be different. The conferences will have a different number of teams. But they went ahead and built the rink, and uh, Bill Foley did. And, and the NHL went ahead and uh, and said, "All right, you you have the money, and you you want a team, we're going to give you a team." And, it, and it's interesting for the NHL because they're going. I mean, you know the NBA's had the All Star Game there, and obviously the, the the CFL, which is not a you know a major pro league, and certainly wouldn't have resonated much in the in Las Vegas. Went in there, but. Yeah, the NHL is is doing what uh, a lot of leagues have kind of hemmed and and hawed about in the past, or said, "Well, will it work?" Uh, you know, what about the gambling aspect, which I think is kind of a little passe now, babe, because both you and I can reach for our telephones now and quite easily make bets <laughs> with a couple uh, yep. with a couple swipes of a swipes of a finger. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how how it's received. It'll be interesting to see how they they market the team. If it's going to be built towards, uh, you know, Canadians coming down for a Thursday and Saturday and going to a couple of games, there are a lot of people in the area who are, are probably going to be uh, attracted to watch pro sports and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it, 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 it doesn't bother me. It's, it, it, I mean, is, is Quebec going to get a team? Maybe. I mean, southern Ontario should have a second team. So, I mean, Canada should have at least a couple of more teams, but. It, it's it's not about that. You got to have the rink, and you got to have an owner that can pony up the money, and that's that's a lot to say no to. That's going to get split up among the other teams.
1: Uh, read a couple texts here. Actually, they're uh, broken up in two parts from the same uh, fellow, Rowdy Yates. Come on, Vegas over Quebec City. Hockey is on no one's radar. Lucky to see hockey on 30 second clip at the end of uh, of TSN. Bob says even if San Jose starts losing, they would be pressed for having fans to show up. Need to honor the Canadian cities that deserve them. Just went to a hockey Alberta coaching. Conference keynote speaker said in 1990, 97 percent of NHLers were Canadian. This coming year, this will be the first year where it is below 50 percent. Come on, develop our game here. Uh, I don't think if the NHL went to Quebec City, Reed that that necessarily would mean more Canadians would be in the National Hockey League just because of one team.
0: No, and that's and that's what the NHL wants. They want it. They want it to be a global game. They, they I mean, they want players on rosters from all over North America. And to some extent, Europe. So they they hope to draw fans in. And I mean, uh, Austin Matthews and, and some of the other guys being drafted this year are are perfect examples of that. I mean, Austin Matthews is from the southwestern United States, and he's going to be taken first overall. Uh, look, I, I just I, I understand what those texters are saying, and I and I sympathize them. I just think we have to stop as Canadians looking at it as a slap in the face that Carolina has a team, or that Las Vegas is getting a team. You know what? I'm frustrated by Florida. I don't think that team should be there. I think Carolina is obviously very iffy. Um, Even you know you can you can pick away at some American markets, but you you cannot approach this from the purity of hockey angle. Or we're Canadians, so let's see. You know, let's give uh, every Canadian city with more than 100,000 people a team. This is not how these businesses operate. And and Las Vegas is going to get one, two, three, four, five, six strikes to fail before they would even be considered being moved. I mean, look how long the Panthers have hung in there in Arizona with all their arena difficulties. So Bettman's been stubborn about the teams he's brought into the league. And ultimately, on the international scale, I, I, again, I, I, I appreciate that texture's frustration, but there's, there's no connection between the quality of Canadian hockey players and putting these teams in American markets because Canada has won, uh, what, three of the five Olympic gold medals since they've let pros in, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they've won the last two World Hockey Championships. The World Junior team is in the top four, if not a medalist, pretty much every year. So, yeah, there are fewer. Uh, there's a smaller percentage of Canadian hockey players because there's a larger pool of players, um, but the, the quality of Canadian hockey hasn't suffered.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And two things you can't ignore here as we uh, head off to a news break here. Uh, Bill Foley, the owner. He paid the $500 million expansion fee, and he uh, secured more than 14,000 season ticket deposits for the uh, for the new team. You can't uh, ignore that if you're the National Hockey League. So the interest appears to be there. Is it sustainable? Uh, we'll find out. Reed Welkins joining us from Buffalo, New York, side of the NHL entry draft, which will begin on Friday. 4 to 9 is our coverage here on 630. Chad Oilers. Fourth overall is where they will pick. They will have the fourth overall selection. We'll uh, get into that a little bit more, talk about the uh, expansion draft as well, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what scenarios might lie for the Oilers with that number four pick. Dave Gamble in for Reed Wilkins. Off to the 6.30 Chad News uh, 24-hour news center right away here with uh, Kyle Morse. <laughs> Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins on six thirty. Chad, Dave Campbell, and for Reed Wilkins tonight here on six thirty. Chad, inside sports. Reed in Buffalo will bring him in in just a flash here, updating the uh, NHL awards. Barry Trotz has won the Jack Adams Award, selected for the uh, uh, the coach of the year in the National Hockey League. Barry Trotz led the Capitals to the best record. And uh, President's Trophy in the uh, NHL this season. Uh, best goals for, best goals against. Unfortunately, a second round exit at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, uh, Barry Trotz, your latest award winner, wins the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year as we. Uh, Bring in at Reed Wilkins down in uh, Buffalo, New York, side of the uh, NHL entry draft. Uh, things will be getting going uh, tomorrow. Everyone will be arriving in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, one more point about expansion, and here we are heading into an offseason, Reed. Uh, the expansion draft rules uh, have been released, and we, we kind of knew what was going to happen beforehand, but Basically, here's the uh, here's the skinny. Clubs will have two options for players they wish to protect. Seven forwards, three D-man, one goaltender, or eight skaters, forward slash defenseman, and one goaltender. Uh, all players who currently have effective and continuing no-movement clauses at the time of the draft uh, must be protected. All first and second-year pros, as well as all unsigned draft choices, unsigned draft choices will be exempt from being selected. Um can this offseason be sort of a precursor to what teams will want to do in that expansion draft? Because Las Vegas isn't coming in for 16-17, uh, they're coming in for
0: 17-18. Well, you could see some moves over the next 12 months, I guess a little less than that, because of what they say the expansion draft is next June 21st or something like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you could you could see some maneuvering there, and it, it, it does add a little bit of extra value, I suppose, to the, the guys that are going to be drafted this year because they won't have to be protected, right? Because if you have two two years or less of pro experience, you, you don't have to be protected. So maybe a little bit of uh, extra added value there to the Oilers' fourth overall pick. And it, I know... You're not gonna make people eyes uh, make their eyes glazed over Dave by reading all the all the rules, but no, we're there are done. some <laughs> you know provisions in there about injured players and and uh, and about making sure that the players are exposed who have played at least a certain number of games. So it's all not all career minor leaguers. Who, who are exposed and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean it's another it's another little thing that makes the the speculation fun. And there are two routes for teams to go, right? Do they protect seven forwards, three D, and a goalie, or just eight skaters um, and a goaltender? Now you can only lose one guy, right? Yeah, you got to remember that you will lose one guy because Vegas takes one one player off uh, off every team. So it's not like a really good roster could be you know have all their depth players uh, plucked away. But yeah, I think we will see some trades as we move along, probably more so next year related to oh, I, I don't want to maybe lose this guy for nothing, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trade him and get something back and then the other team might lose him in the expansion draft.
1: Right. Uh, reminder uh, folks, you can text in at 630 630. Question, comment here as we're joined by Reed Wilkins, uh, the host of this program, host of Oilers Hockey here on 630 Chad, as uh, he's down in Buffalo, New York side of the 2016 NHL entry draft. Before we talk about the draft itself and the Oilers with the fourth overall pick and what might happen with that pick. Um, Milan Lucic today said that uh, he is going to test the UFA market. So July 1st. So we're about uh, a little over a week from, uh, from that uh, about uh, nine days away from July the 1st. So that obviously creates a lot of chatter about if the Oilers are interested and I'm sure that they would be being that Peter Shirely, the general manager has a history with Milan Lucic back with the Boston Bruins. Um, this is going to be interesting to see who else is involved. I'm sure the Canucks are going to want to be involved. We're going to talk with Dan Murphy uh, in the final hour of the show down in Vancouver. Of course, he's from Vancouver. Where do you see this? I, I know you talked about this, uh, you've been talking about this periodically, but now it's a done deal as far as Lucic will be testing the UFA market. Does this make sense for the Oilers?
0: Well, he makes the team better, and he provides the team with something they haven't had enough of, and that's a, then that's an offensive player who can also play physically and impact the game when he doesn't score. I mean, yeah, when this first came up, I, I compared Lucic and, and, and Pouliot, and you know, I know a lot of the advanced stats guys were saying, well, Pouliot gets more points per 60 minutes played, yet pretty much every coach that uh, they, they've, or if you compare them season by season, most years Lucic plays about a minute per game more. So coaches know, well, Pouillard has the better chance of actually doing something that produces a goal, yet I'm going to give Lucic the extra two or three shifts per game. Um, so we know he has that physical element to him and the forechecking and probably a little more consistency than, say, a Pugliot if we're comparing the two. The, I, I guess the scary thing about Lucic is... If, I mean, look, free agents always try to get as much as they can, and they often get overpaid in, term of, in terms of years or money, and often both. So, yeah, if you're Lucic, you're looking for six or seven years. Why wouldn't you want the security until you're going to be 34, or 35 years old? That's the thing for the Oilers. Are they going to want to shell out a guy, shell out a six-year contract to a guy whose production could dramatically tail off in the last two or three years of that deal? I mean, if you could get Lucic for four years, then I would say absolutely. You got to you got to snap him up, um, and then and then and then deal with whatever else you might have to deal with on your roster. I mean, he's coming off a 55 point season. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, so clearly it broke down with LA, where he's he's moving on. You're right, Vancouver. The hometown thing is good. I think Edmonton has two pluses in its column: the relationship with Peter Chiarelli, Dave, and we've seen it with any sports. Teams that, uh, or guys that won together often, you know, retain some sort of a bond. And, I mean, we've seen some players, especially, you know, in the NFL, some players and coaches just sort of follow each other around, right, Mm -hmm. wherever they go. So the Lucic-Shirelli thing, I, I think, is significant that there's a successful history there. And,. The other advantage for Edmonton is Connor McDavid because Lucic could very well get a chance to play significant time on on a line with Connor McDavid. Um, now, we've already talked about the Oilers likely trading one of the six million dollar players this summer. If Lucic comes in, then you ha- then you have to move one of them out just financially to stay under the cap. Um, so that creates a whole other complicated thing and and i mean i think i know the whole left wing discussion has been pretty hot and heavy and and taylor hall's name is out there connected to a variety of teams and i'm sure peter shirelli's listening to offers or or seeing what could possibly happen but if you sign Lucic, is it then benoit pouliot you look to trade Mm -hmm. because i was saying last night you will not be able to trade taylor hall straight up for drew dowdy right for one of the 17 true number one defensemen in the league right Hall for Hamannik, for example, straight across is is not enough to get back. You'd have to get something else from the Islanders. What if what if the Oilers add a Lucic, or add Lucic, and then put Benoit Pouliot out there? Right. Then you keep Hall as your number one left winger. Lucic is your number two. Maroon is a, a three with the potential to play higher in the lineup if one of the other guys is hurt or is having a bad stretch, and Korbikowski or whoever is your fourth line. Left winger that balances out the lines a lot better than having Lucic, Pouliot, Maroon, and and Korbikowski. So that's just so, something to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, and and if the Oilers are going to make a play for Milan Lucic, I mean, it's going to cost them what six, seven million dollars a year to sign him, probably. So. What maneuvering might they have to do? To, I mean, are they going to have... I mean, there's been talk about the big three, one of them going, at least one of them going anyway. So maybe that solves the problem. But uh, you got to position yourself well enough. And they have, they have cap room, but it's not going to be cheap to sign Milan Lucic either.
0: Well, and the thing is, uh, one summer from now, Connor McDavid, well, I mean, he has two years left on his entry-level deal, so his next contract won't kick in for two years. But, Dave, he's likely... Or let's say there's a pretty good chance two years from now, Connor McDavid will be going into a season where he will be the highest paid player in the history of the National Hockey League, sure. right? So Dreisaitl <laughs> is going to get a new deal. Nurse is going to get a new deal. So that's what Shirelli has to figure in. Okay, I can sign Lucic. How does that affect everything else? Who needs to go now so I can start making salary cap room? And there's so much emphasis on the Oilers on D. And that's correct, because that's that's a major problem. This is still a team that is short a center, especially if they wind up trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's your third-line center. Even if you keep the three centers, the three young centers, plus Mark Latestu, wouldn't you like to have the flexibility of playing Leon Dreisle on the right wing if you need him and sliding someone else into that third-line center role? Wouldn't you like to have uh another center on the roster who can play in case one of the other guys gets injured because when let had to play third line minutes last year that's not where he belongs so this this this, there are so many things going on here for shirelli that just coming out of the summer saying "Ah, i addressed the defense look at me like that (laughs) might that might be his that, that that might be maybe he can only maybe he can only repair one thing at a time right and i think he did a pretty good job with the goaltending and to me that's a huge takeaway from last summer as well as snapping up Todd McClellan as the coach. I mean, maybe this year um, maybe he addresses the defense as much as he possibly can and, and still has holes on on the forward core because there's still... There's still a lot to fix and a lot of questions up front.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and and you're right. There there's several things. There's several issues with this team, and defense is one. And you mentioned lack of a third line is another one because you got to have some scoring punch from that line. And the Oilers basically had two fourth lines last year. And then the other issue, and I think this is what Milan Lucic can do really well, but they need players like that type of player. Yes, defensively, you want to be better in that area, and the defensemen have to get the puck out of the zone a lot better, but you also need guys that can keep the puck in the other team's end, and definitely Milan Lucic-type players do that.
0: Well, right, and the Oilers, it wasn't as bad last year, but they still you know, were below average at it. Sure. Is they've been a, a one-and-done team, and, and even McClellan and Shirely referenced it last year, you know, they, they they rely too much on scoring off the rush. And, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, if you're if you're good enough to score off the rush, that's fine. But so much of the game is, is grind it down low, get it to the net, and keep pucks alive and use body position, uh, you know, and, and ability to score goals from in tight. And, I mean, that, those are the kind of teams that um, McClellan had in San Jose, right? I mean, they were just a relentless team around the net. Now, they had the skill to finish. You still need that. But Lucic would help that in terms of being able to bang, use body position, protect the puck, and then o- occupy an area in front of the net. And I mean that's and that's been uh, to compare him to a Jordan Eberle. That's a drawback of Eberle, right? Eberle is a guy who can score off the rush. Mm-hmm. If he gets the puck, or if if someone gets him the puck with a little bit of time and space in the slot, he can rip it home. Does he generate those opportunities for himself? Well, not necessarily, right? Lucic is more of a type of guy that can do that.
1: Right. It is 6.47. Reed Wilkins joining us down in Buffalo. Site of the NHL Entry Draft, Friday, 4 until 9 is our coverage. Also coverage on Saturday as well. And we are here for Nate's Computer Training Center. Heat up your computer skills this summer. Enroll now for July courses at nate.ca slash ctc. 647, Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. We'll uh, wrap it up with Reed down in Buffalo. Kind of tee up uh, what's going to happen tomorrow and uh, just start to uh, get the fires burning about that fourth overall pick held which is uh, currently held by the Oilers. Back with more inside sports here in a moment.
0: Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins
1: on Oilers Radio 630, Chad. 650, welcome back to the program. Anshay Kopitar, who won the Frank Selke Trophy for the best defensive forward in the league, has won the Lady Bing trophy awarded to the player exhibiting sportsmanship and gentlemanly play combined with playing ability and Braden Holtby of the Capitals just won the Vezina trophy so uh, you're up to date on the NHL awards. Uh, Connor McDavid did not win the Calder Trophy. Artemi Panarin of the Chicago Blackhawks took that award. As uh, we are joined by Reed Wilkins down in Buffalo, New York, side of the 2016 NHL Entry Draft. Uh, Reed, uh, before we talk about a little bit about the draft here in our final few moments, I have to say this is probably your best start at an NHL Entry Draft. Uh, two years ago, it was a little rough. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah that was awful <laughs>
1: down in philadelphia <laughs>
0: yeah this is my third draft uh so yeah i, I rolled in on wednesday i, I met stoffer for a, a bite to eat and we were talking and we were at this bar area and the bartender kind of had asked us two or three times for something to order and he finally says uh how hey guys how about i bring you calamari and steak bites two of our most popular appetizers and we were like yeah and i have a really bad peanut and nut allergy, yep. and I'm very vigilant about asking, but I mean, was I was just distracted, I was talking to Bob, and he says those two things, and nothing, no alarms went off, like, oh, those could have nuts on them, or in them, so he brought the calamari, and I had a piece, and I immediately knew something was wrong, there was crumbled peanuts on top of the calamari. Now, luckily, I ingested, like, you know nerds, Dave, those little candies? Yep. Uh, like, I probably had a peanut like half the size of a nerd. So luckily, I didn't have very much, uh, but I was pretty uncomfortable for the next uh, five hours. I got extremely congested and stuffed up. I couldn't talk because I was supposed to come on this show with you, and I couldn't speak well enough to do it. And then, yeah, my arms and chest broke out in hives that were... Like red, like the Montreal Canadiens uniforms. Oh, so, wow!
1: So, yeah,
0: that that wasn't a good start to my uh, to my draft experience. So uh, yeah, just gotta be just always gotta watch what I eat. Yet, yet another reminder in my old age.
1: Yeah, that's right, that's right. I remember you talking to me during the uh, seven o'clock news. you like, Dave, Dave, I'm really sick. I had not. I'm not doing. I'm not, You're not going on the year, man. <laughs> Forget it. You're not doing it. And then last year. Uh, in Florida, wasn't it crazy humid and hot, and just and things were far away and all that? Well, I think for Florida it was normal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for, for anybody who's lived pretty much all his life uh, in or near Edmonton, uh, I mean, I basically lived along Highway 16 most of my life: Evansburg, Edmonton, uh, Lloydminster, and a, on a summer in Saskatoon. So. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it, it, like, one day it was, the high was 36 and the overnight low was 31. This was in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, geez. And, yeah, we stayed in Fort Lauderdale. The actual draft was in Sunrise, Florida, which is about half an hour west of Fort Lauderdale. And uh, the Oilers were staying to the south right in Miami. And that was about a 40-minute car ride when we had to go yeah. uh, to, do a scrub with Peter Shirelli on the Friday. It was definitely not walking distance, and it definitely wasn't running weather, though I did get out and get a couple of runs in in Fort Lauderdale. But it was just so muggy. Like, you stepped outside and your glasses fogged up. It's the reverse of winter here. When you go from cold outside to warm inside, your glasses would get a mist on them when you stepped outside in Fort
1: Lauderdale. Oh, that is nuts. All right. Well, hopefully nothing eventful like that in Buffalo. Just, uh, just what's going to be happening tomorrow and Friday and Saturday. And I guess things really start to, to heat up and all the speculation and, you know, all the, the talk. And we, we know who likely the first three picks are. Uh, Austin Matthews to the Leafs, Patrick Line to the Jets, and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, we still believe, is going to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But the chatter is going to start tomorrow uh, about what the Oilers might possibly do with that fourth overall pick.
0: I think they're going to make the pick, Dave, if, if I had to come down one way or another. No, no. Peter Shirelli is, is keeping everything pretty close to his vest. Uh, I, I mean, I know you hear reports and rumors coming around um, or, or coming out. Depending on the source, you, you sometimes you have to take him with a grain of salt. And I'm sure Peter Shirelli and all GMs are talking but you never know how serious those talks are or if Peter Shirelli actually is talking about player X for player Y or whatever. But I think when it comes down to it, I, I think he makes the pick and he uses an existing roster player um, to try to get something else. There's still fourth overall is, is is pretty good. There there are combinations of trades that, that would work. I know Jim Mathson was on the other night saying, what if you traded uh, the number four for both of uh, – For both of Carolina's uh, first-round picks, and what are they at, 13 13 and 21, I believe? Yeah. So you'd still get, uh, yeah, 13 and 21. Actually, the the 21st overall pick is from L.A. for the Andre Sekera trade from about 15 months ago. Um, And then, obviously, he didn't re-sign with L.A. and wound up with Edmonton. But, yeah, I, 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 I just think when it comes down to it, the Oilers will make the pick, and then there's either a big trade involving one of the quote-unquote core pieces either either this weekend or, or next week before free agency.
1: All right. Well, we'll see uh, what you're feeling, if that's changed or not, because I know Peter Shirelli is going to be speaking tomorrow. We're going to hear lots more from down there in Buffalo, New York, uh, including from you tomorrow night on Inside Sports. And uh, Friday, 4 to 9 is our coverage. And on Saturday, our coverage is? 8 to 11 in the morning, Dave. 8 to 11. Good stuff. Reed, we'll talk to you tomorrow, pal. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for filling in for me. I appreciate it. You betcha. Reed Wilkins down there, Buffalo, New York, site of the NHL entry draft, which will, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, take place on Friday night and then Saturday. Round one, Friday, rest of the rounds on Saturday. And uh, we'll have it all for you right here on 630 Ched, voice of the Oilers and home of the 2016 NHL entry draft. Shirelle will speak tomorrow. Will there be any trades tomorrow? I mean, that's happened. The day before uh, there's been maneuvering the day before but we'll see what happens so the expectation yeah everything that uh, I, I hear Oilers likely make the pick unless there's a deal that knocks their socks off you never know how crazy deals could get at the 11th hour you never know and do one of the three roster, main roster players get moved other than Connor McDavid? Yeah, we'll find out. I don't want to prognosticate that one too much, but I think I'm pretty much sold on the fact that uh, the fourth overall pick will be kept by the Oilers and uh, probably Matthew Kachuk be my, be my guess. News is next from the 6.30 jet 24-hour news center with Kyle Morris in the th- next hour. Looking forward to this. Edmonton Sun columnist Terry Jones, author of a new book, Epic Legacies of the Edmonton Eskimos. A book on the green and gold, never been penned like this. You'll hear more details about it with Large. Coming up here on 630 Chad Inside Sports, Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.